It is a Thanksgiving week edition of Around the League from UGASports.com. I'm Dane Young. That's Brent Rollins from Pro Football Focus. As always, joined by Jim Donham, the College Football Hall of Famer, former Georgia head coach, former Marshall head coach. He's got all these other schools I could list in there as well, but we don't have time to to make sure that we talk about all the places that you've coached and all the people that you've coached, uh, Coach Donham. But I will say that this show is coming to you from three separate states right now. Coach is out in Oklahoma. I'm up here in uh, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And uh, Brent, you're, you're getting set to make the trek down south with uh, the Titans on your – you'll still be in the state of Georgia, but just barely. Yes, heading down to Bainbridge on Friday, watch the, watch the North Dakota Titans face Bainbridge in a, a quarterfinal matchup. And we'll uh, – you know, maybe we should consider a watch-along show for the North Dakota Titans next year. We'll, we'll uh, figure that out at a later <laughs> time. Hey, we got a packed show here. We want to get to every uh, rivalry game happening in the conference this week. So let's go ahead and jump into this game by game as we do every week. And we start with the game that rightfully is back on Thanksgiving and that 7.30 ESPN Thanksgiving night, number nine Ole Miss at Mississippi State. It is Mike Leach. It is Matt Corral and Lane Kiffin. And uh, Brent, this is one of those games. I don't care what happened throughout the rest of the season. I would not be surprised by any result with this particular game. No, and actually Mississippi State's favorite in the game, I think a point and a half or something like that. But it's kind of fitting that this game, like you said, is on Thanksgiving night just because it usually is a wild game. But also, it's just, a, I mean, there's a lot to play for. Second in the West, uh, Ole Miss is likely playing for a New York you know, New York Six bowl game type deal. And, you know, when you think about the implications and ramifications of this game, two years ago, the whole leg lift action from Elijah Moore, like think of all the things and all the, you know, cascade of events that happened because of that. You know, Matt Luke now at Georgia, you know, different coaches in this game. So a lot of. Uh, a lot of things that with, but one interesting note about Mississippi State that I was just fascinating looking at into this game was, you know, so Will Rogers on the season, 431 completions, 571 attempts in his uh, 11 games. Georgia, the last two years in 21 games, 360 completions, 589 attempts. <laughs> Basically, you know, that's just amazing just to show you the style of play. Uh, that Mike Leach has, and, and this, he's brought the SEC, and he's brought his style, and stayed with it, and had some success this year. Yeah, both of these teams in their second year are, are really uh, sending upward uh, big wins by Mississippi State over ranked teams, uh, and certainly uh, Lane Kiffin and his whole program uh, got a chance to, you know, like he said, go go all the way to a New Year's Six Bowl. A couple things that are really big for me in a game like this. Uh, you look and research this game over years, it's always been uh, just an uh, unbelievable amount of penalties in it because of the hate involved. Uh, you get some really stupid penalties. You get some penalties that you just don't expect just because of the of the emotions of the game. Last year, 15 penalties. I mean, every year there's just so many things. So how's the game going to be called just on the regular parts? You know, the pass interference, the holding and all that. But you're going to get some personal fouls. We'll get some late hits and team that can keep its composure is going to really be huge in this game. Also, the coaches got to keep theirs, you know, don't get too emotional and make decisions like uh, Lane Kiffin did against Alabama when he went for it four times. Uh, you just got to really be careful about how you handle it because this game is lost as much as it's won. One interesting parallel here to me is the two quarterbacks ever since uh, Corral got hurt. He hasn't had many multiple touchdown games as far as throwing the ball. He did against Vanderbilt, but that's the only time since the Tennessee game that he's thrown more than one touchdown pass 
in any game. Uh, they've been very inefficient around the red zone, really having a hard time scoring. Contrast that to Will Rogers, who you mentioned, 15 touchdown passes to one interception ratio in the last, uh, you know, three or four games. I mean, he just gets the ball in the end zone and, and they throw the ball so efficiently. Uh, and you, here's the thing. Uh, somebody said it's a death by a thousand scissor cuts. I mean, just the fact that throughout the game, I mean, paper cuts throughout the game, you can't get off the field on defense the way these guys make it on third down, fourth down. They just uh, really throw the ball so efficiently. So what's uh, what is uh, DJ Durkin going to do? Is he going to try to press these guys and, 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 you know, give them some man routes? Or is he going to drop off? Uh, there are just so many things that you got to do defensively. So uh, I've kind of tried to capsule it, but it, this game could go either way. There's no question about it emotionally. Football-wise, they're both good teams. But I, I would say this, the team that can get off the field on third down and the team that can stay on the field on third down is going to win this game because – you know, possessions are going to be really prevalent in this. And, and you know, the more chances Corral's got a chance to get the ball to these big playmakers, the, the better it's going to be. The less chances he, they're going to be sitting over there on the bench watching the game, listening to all those cowbells. So it's going to be an unreal contest, and I'm looking forward to seeing it on Thursday night. Coach, you talk about Will Rogers. I heard – well, I, I read – it was a tweet that I saw. Steve Spurrier was asked about the Heisman race, obviously he being – former Heisman winner, he, he helps induct the, the winners as, as they go to New York and everything. And he mentioned Will Rogers' name as someone that should be in Heisman contention and a guy that might have uh, his particular vote. I'm, I'm curious, do you see his you know resume involved in, in Heisman worthy? He definitely played, you know, had a great year. The problem is there's a guy over there about 200 miles from him that's playing on a nationally ranked team that's that got all the SEC attention and Bryce Young. So I, I don't think he'll get get much attention this year. He'll probably be listed next year just because he's overwhelming. Uh, you know, he's already had a better year, almost as good a year as a Minshew had out there at uh, Miss, at uh, Washington State when he transferred in from East Carolina. I mean, the Pirate, man, I tell you, he just knows how to coach up those quarterbacks, and he just uh, – picks you apart and he knows what he's doing. It's just hard to believe that they've continued that same system. Seems like ever since forever uh, going back to Kentucky and they really don't they call it the same and use the same formations. Uh, and then uh, if they had a field goal kicker against Arkansas, I mean, just unbelievable year for him. Here's how much I look forward to the Egg Bowl every year. When I found out it was on Thanksgiving this year, it was after these plans, as we're, I told you we're in Gatlinburg right now, these plans are already made. I've instructed my wife that for the next two years, Thanksgiving night's going to happen first next year in Oxford, the following year in Starkville, and to not make plans otherwise, <laughs> because that's what we'll be doing on Thanksgiving night the next two years. So you going to actually go to the game? Next two years, we will. That's the plan. I, I like prioritizing it. Prioritizing it. Yeah, what a football fan you are. That's the way to do it. I like it. Hey, well, I, I don't go get to go to many games. I'm always, you know, doing these shows and hanging out with you. Like, I haven't been to a big-time college football game in a couple of years because of the coverage that we do here. Uh, and so on Thursday night, that's the way to do it. And plus, my family's in, uh, my wife's family's in Prattville, Alabama, so we've got a good hopping-off point from there to still get food. There you go. Everything like that. All right. I like it. Moving on. Uh, 
This is on Friday. So uh, Black Friday, we have Missouri at number 25. Arkansas, that's a 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Central kick over on CBS. And, uh, Coach, I'll start with you here because I know Missouri on these kind of Thanksgiving weekends, it gets a little squirrely playing those guys. Yeah, hey, uh, you know, Missouri's had the, the upper hand in this game the last five years. I think they've beaten them five straight years. Uh, I just think, to me, uh, Drinkowitz been in the press way too much this week. Uh, you know, talking about, you know, being the, after the game, doing what he did. And, hey, it's okay. And now he's talking about mulling all the time. And, you know, he's reveling in the fact that they, they have won, uh, you know, uh, more games at Missouri than probably anybody has the last few years. But I just think Barry Odom's got a real, real uh, mean on for him right now just because here's a guy that took his job. It wasn't his fault, but, uh, I mean, Drinkowitz. But uh, it's just something to me about it. It's like when before a game when you see a team – when they, when they let the, the press come in there and, and sit, listen to a coach talk, 100% almost every one of those teams get their ass beat because, you know, it's an ego thing. Let the guy – I would never let somebody come in my locker room before a game and listen to my team silently. You know, we got our own little talk and it's nobody else's business. So you just watch it. When you see a team get an interview for a game, they're getting ready to get their ass beat just because that's in their locker room. So I'm throwing all aside everything. I just think Arkansas is going to win this game just because of the way Drinkowitz has been acting this week. It's hilarious that you went there, Coach, because here's what exactly I wrote down this game. What did Coach think of Drink's postgame and comments this week? That's exactly what I wrote down in my notes for this game because I wanted to hear just that from you. But And when you think about it, then you go the other way. And you listen to Sam Pittman talk all year, really, not just – not just this past week and talking about going for it and giving his team a chance, but all year, just the, the things that he says, it just invokes like, Hey, I want to play for that guy. I'm going to play extremely hard for that guy because of how much he cares and, and what are the, how he is and just the genuine real human being that he seems like as a coach. It's fun to watch. It's, it's good for Arkansas that he's got them sort of back in there. This game, by the way, the winner is 500 in conference play. You know, so Missouri can still you know, be third in the East. Possibly. So, you know, it's unlikely, but possibly. Uh, but, you know, it's it's going to be a good game. And I, I do think, like Coach said, I do think Arkansas, a little bit of extra motivation there from Odom on the defensive side and just being better and being able to run the ball down Missouri's throat. I think they get this game as well. Yeah, and Arkansas, come on. You, there's no way you can play as bad on pass defense as they did last week. I mean, almost 600 yards passing against their uh, – you know, a pretty good team, and uh, they just didn't have an answer against Bryce Young. And fortunately for Nick Saban, Bryce was on fire, and because uh, their defense was a non-entity in that game. I mean, uh, tremendous job by uh, by the uh, Arkansas Razorbacks offensively, thirty-five points, and really should have had more. So uh, this this game just going to boil down to forget about you know I was talking about the drink, which I just think. Arkansas has got too much running game. And then once you can run the ball a, a little against Missouri, which most teams do, and so what Georgia did throwing the ball. And, uh, and I think if Burks plays, it, it, it's going to be a – I mean, I think they'll really get after him. 
Hey, Brent, I'll tell you, my internet may be cutting in and out. And if it does, I'm just going to kind of lean on you to, to take the reins if that happens. Uh, before, Can do. Before we get to our next game, I do want to mention uh, Connor Grading and uh, Connor Grading and Landscaping uh, is our season-long sponsor of Around the League. And so uh, make sure you're supporting uh, the people that support us. If you're looking at your lawn right now, you got a couple uh, first frosts coming in in the northeast Georgia area. Maybe think about what you can do to get set for the spring. Go check them out at connorgrading.com and check them out on Facebook and Instagram as well. That's Connor Grading and Landscaping. And we're really thankful for Mike Connor and his team uh, for enjoying us and supporting us and allowing us to do the show. We could not do it without them. So check out their stuff uh, and content and website and social medias. Noon on ABC, Brent, number one Georgia at Georgia Tech. Uh, you were telling me beforehand you had a, a bit of a hot take for this game, and I'm ready for it. All right, so not maybe not necessarily a hot take, but a, just a feeling. If, 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 if you want and you think George Pickens is going to play against Alabama and be ready to play against Alabama, he's going to play in this game. I just – gut feeling for me is that he plays in this game and gets a target. One target, just one. Maybe, you know, five snaps, six snaps, something like that. But gets on the field before you want to actually – if you want to use him and if he is available and if all that stuff happens and, you know, the, the work that he's been doing in practice this week. But – that's my thought for this game, and that's the one thing that I'm looking out for because I think otherwise Georgia rolls. Yeah, I mean, just the whole deal to me is he's got to be cleared by the uh, medical staff because he's done pretty much, based on what Kirby said, everything. And the, the way they do things in practice, you, you work with a scout team and then you move up and play with the second and third team and work on the game plan. And he's at that point, based on what Kirby mentioned in his press conferences this week so uh but the bottom line you had to be cleared you know we saw the same thing with jt daniels with don blaylock all these guys because you know there's a lot of tests they have to do beside your knee or all these things they do on your hamstring and everything else but yeah i would think uh, but from my standpoint this guy came out of the womb running routes i mean i think he's going to be ready to play against alabama regardless if he plays i mean it would help his confidence against georgia tech for sure but uh, the, the big thing for us in a game like this is just like I talk about so many coach speak, you got to avoid losing in a game like that. That's the only way Tech can even stay close is us make penalties, turnovers, stupid kicking game mistakes, uh, offside penalties, uh, give them any juice. You know, for about a quarter, two years ago, they did that and played with us, you know, and uh, Collins did those push-ups on the sideline and all that. And we Kirby got mad because we went for it on fourth down and didn't make it, you know, um, and it, instead of kicking a field goal. So a lot of little things can happen in that game. But uh, I just feel like our players' sense of direction is, is so focused right now. And there's so many good players that are coming back that haven't played that want to get in there and do their job that, uh, you know, unless we just, you know, kind of pee down our leg, I just don't see anything happening there but complete destruction. I think that's the point you make there, Coach, with the the players, the, the direction. Like the leadership from this team, the seniors that came back, both, you know, Cook and White, uh, Jordan Davis, Devontae White, those guys, you can just sense that there's a massively positive just leadership component that exists and a, a, a grind of – Week to week, we're going to be at our extreme best. Like that, it's just evident because there has been no letdown. There has been no taking a breath. It's been 
full all gas, no breaks for them all season. And you know, I, th- I don't expect anything less uh, in this game against Tech. Never discount that all these guys that play on Georgia Tech's team that are from the state of Georgia that probably wanted a better shot to go to Georgia, they're treating this thing seriously. They, they're saying, I, I can prove not only you know NFL tape and that kind of stuff, but I can prove that, that I'm better than what some people over there thought I was. So th- this game means a lot to a lot of people. And, you know, Tech's going to take a swing. I, I don't think they have the talent to really stay in the game that long. But, um, you know, they're going to give their best effort. Yeah, hey, you look at the way they played against a rival like Clemson. That's a rival for them. They played them down to the wire, and they they beat North Carolina with North Carolina's mistakes and their unbelievable pass rush in that game. They just got a lot of sacks and a lot of turnovers, uh, and they actually played that game in the dome. Uh, so uh, maybe it's out of body experience. They th- they realized they weren't playing at Grant Field, and they played better. Who knows? But. Uh, they, they definitely has a big win. That's probably the biggest win that he's had beating North Carolina. He did beat Miami on the road a couple of years ago, but uh, wins are few and far between for, for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets right now. The uh, other game at noon on Saturday, and, and Brent, I, it's on ESPN, it's Florida State, and it's Florida. And if I would have told you after the, the close loss against Alabama that Florida would need to beat Florida State to get bowl eligible – and that they, you know, would have an interim head coach and be in a coaching surge. I don't think you would have believed me. No, definitely not. It was that that was all, you know, after at Alabama game, exactly right. Everything was trending uh, very much in the way. And, and really, what more can you say that we haven't? That a lot of people and all of us haven't already said about the situation. It just went downhill that fast, like it was an absolute just snowball effect of just negativity that kept going. Because I, I think if you even win one or two of those games within there. Uh, you know, this situation, you know, they're probably not in this situation like they are right now, but it just went so bad. But the interesting thing for me in this game is I look at somebody and you think about, you know, is uh, I look at Florida State actually and look at Jermaine Johnson that played at Georgia last year and now is getting all kinds of opportunities. But when you actually look at his numbers, I mean, he has a higher overall grade, higher overall pass rush grade at PFF. But looking at his pressure rate from his career at Georgia versus now, it's actually lower at Florida State. It's just some of those pressures have turned into sacks and he's gotten way more opportunities. So good for him for being able to go and get those opportunities. But from how he's actually produced, he's been about the same, if not even a little bit less on a play by play basis than what he was uh, here at Georgia. But again, it's 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 a robbery game. It'll be you know possibly fun to watch uh, if you're if you're a fan of either of those teams. But outside of that, yeah, it's it's interesting that you think about the situation that this time last year, who would have said, hey, whose program is going to be in the best situation? Probably not Florida State or Miami. And those are the two that are going to keep in the, probably keep in their coach. Yeah, I remember back on uh, June the 1st, I said uh, Tennessee and South Carolina are going to be bowl eligible and uh, Florida is not going to win but two conference games. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> but, uh, uh, seriously, uh it's just a tough deal for the coaches, everybody involved when you have a coach and change. And uh, certainly uh, you got the uh, two outside backers that were both heavily recruited by Georgia, five-star Brenton Cox playing for Florida and Johnson uh, playing for uh, Florida State. Which one of them can make the most plays out there? Uh, both of them got to be thinking, hey, I could be playing for the national championship if I'd have stayed for 
with Georgia. And, uh, you know, we probably could have used them right now with the injuries we've had and the fact that Anderson's out. But, hey, that, that's an either here nor there. But I think this game's going to boil down to me. Uh, can Florida not self-destruct? You know, I've talked about this with other games, but when they really can do things and not turn the ball over, they got a lot of weapons, you know, Pierce and, and, and their quarterback, Emory Jones and, uh, you know, Copeland on the edge. I mean, they can do a lot of things to hurt you, but they hurt themselves as much. I mean, this is a team that went down to the wire with Alabama, who's ranked, you know, right up there for the national championship. So they're capable. But uh, I think the big key in this game is emotionally, uh, if Florida gets behind, you know, and Florida State seems to be trending up. I mean, I don't know if Florida's got enough emotion in the tank to fill it up if things start going bad for them. But I just think for some reason they're going to go out there and win one for the Gipper type deal and just play for themselves and try to get in a bowl and see what happens. Coach, were you ever in a situation when you were an assistant that, you know, one, whether you position coach and a coordinator gets let go or a head coach lets go, and then you're kind of having to take on more responsibilities for interim basis for the rest of the season. Cause I'm curious how you even manage a team in that. No, it never was, but that never happened with me. It really didn't happen in the past, you know, back, back in the old days, back in 1930, when I was coaching, you just don't, uh, you didn't let guys go and they, they didn't have enough money to pay people off like, with some, even though they, they weren't paying that much, but, uh, very seldom did they you ever see a coach get fired during the season. But I had a situation going into my uh, – right after I got out of coaching of uh, college, I was a freshman coach the first year at NC State. And then that summer, my head coach decided to uh, retire. He had a little bit of an um, illness situation. So they made the secondary coach the uh, interim coach. And uh, so I guess that was – he coached for a year before uh you know thing they hired a new guy so it was it was a little different but uh you know all the coaches were there and we, we were able to handle it 3 30 on cbs that's eastern time it is 2 30 central when you're born in the state of alabama they say who you for and it's uh, alabama or auburn it's an intense rivalry uh and one that uh from from birth you have to choose your side. And Alabama's ranked number three in line for a uh, college football playoff, potentially with the SEC championship on the horizon as well. But Brent, I, I know we Brent, say you want to take over there. <laughs> I'm on solo here because anybody can hear me. Yes, we got you, coach. Um, you know, when you think about Auburn in this game, think about the way Auburn was just three games ago six and two feeling really good about themselves, controlling their own destiny in the SEC West in terms of what things were going forward. And to now, you know, three losers of three games in a row and, you know, your quarterbacks get hurt and you're in this situation of this rivalry game where, you know, it just doesn't look good for them. But I'm watching two things specifically uh, in this game. And one is Will Anderson. Will Anderson for Alabama has been an absolute just monster recently. Even if you, I'm even discounting the New Mexico State game because he dominated that game as well. But in the last four games, not without New Mexico State, 67 snaps per game, 26 total quarterback pressures, including six sacks. That is the one guy that you you know watch to me for Alabama's team, and the one guy that can wreck an offense. And 
you're going to see that and figure out, you know, hey, Georgia, how can you block Will Anderson next week? And then two, can Auburn actually pressure Bryce Young? Can they make him work really, really hard this week? Because I think we know he's going to have to work really, really hard next week. Yeah, I think this uh, Auburn just got to just look at their look in the mirror here and say, you know, we, we got to just try to run the ball because we we self destruct throwing the ball, and you know, there's no such thing as a waste down. I mean, you got to go ahead. You know, they threw the ball in fourth and one and had Tank Bigsby on the sideline, and uh, and you just got to realize your defense is just not good enough to to win a a, a a game against a team in a shootout situation. I mean, you, you're going to have to score some points. And Alabama is averaging, I don't know how many a game, but they're going to score. I mean, they, they've just got too many things. And unless Auburn trades for some secondary and underneath coverage, I don't know how they're going to – because they sure can't rush the passer. They haven't rushed anybody all year. Uh, so uh, it's going to be a game where Auburn's going to need some – some situations like a couple of years ago where Mac Jones threw those the pick sixes to him. I mean, they got two touchdowns on interceptions. So uh, strange things happen there, Jordan there. I mean, they, uh, that's one thing you can say about Gus Malzahn. He's got some wins over uh, Alabama that not many Auburn coaches have. Uh, Tommy Tuberville had those when he had about six in a row, but uh, – I just don't see Auburn winning this game. I, I just, it'll be hard for it to happen, but it, they're, they're going to need a lot of help. But uh, I'm picking Bama big. J.G. Tate, the publisher of our rivals Auburn site, wrote in uh, a column this week that the morale at Auburn right now is lower than at any point that it ever was during the Gus Malzahn era. Now, I know it's early on Harson. I know that there's some weird rumors out there about would he be interested in the Washington job. Uh, there's some – things about the vaccination stuff that he, he doesn't want to talk about right now. All I'm saying is they need some good news over at Auburn. And, and the best news you can ever get in that state is to find a way to beat Alabama. I don't think it's going to happen, but it, if they do, it completely changes the course of the program. Yeah. And you just look at the, the specter of the program and, and analyze it. Their recruiting is really uh, desperate at this point. I mean, where they rank in the, in the, not only nationally, but SEC, their recruiting class that they brought in uh, has very few guys that really look like they're going to be players down the road. They're heavily laden junior and senior team, and they're going to be probably six and six uh, and, you know, fighting for a low scale bowl game. Uh, uh, Three weeks ago, they were six and two and people like you and even me were saying, Hey, they got a chance to win the SEC West. And, you know, the last three weeks they've, bolted out of there with a 28-3 situation against Mississippi State and looked terrible against Texas A&M offensively. Their their second-half production offensively has been really low, and and they got off to a 14-0 lead against USC too. So, But losing to USC, and and, uh, you got to give Beamer and that team credit, but that was probably one of the all-time lows for Auburn football – at this point, because uh, they, you know, they thought they could have a pretty good year. And this is, hey, look yourself in the mirror. You've lost to South Carolina the last two years. Yep. It's not the Gus bus anymore. It's the struggle bus. Yeah, that's a good one. The struggle bus. (laughs) 
at 3.45 Eastern time on the SEC Network on Saturday, a game that matters a lot uh, to the people close to where I'm at right now, Vanderbilt and Tennessee. I'm 30 miles right now from Knoxville here uh, in the Smoky Mountains. And uh, Vanderbilt, I don't know. Speaking of struggle bus. Yeah, I don't know what much to say. Uh, Tennessee looks like it's going to wrap up a a pretty impressive first year under uh, Hypo with a win, Brent. I will say this about Vanderbilt. Even though – you know they've just played and look look almost like they don't have any chance based on who they're playing. They fight. They really they hang in there and they uh, they've had some not moral victories, but I mean everybody thought Ole Miss was going to just destroy them and they didn't. And they you know they've improved as a football team. They're not just a you know like in our game it was thirty five nothing in the first quarter. You haven't seen a lot of those big time blowouts right off the bat. Uh, and I think that's a tribute to, uh, to the coaching staff. So hopefully, uh, you know, they can get their morale going a little bit and hang in there, but this, uh, ball offense is operating on all cylinders right now. And uh, they're going to come out of the ball walk, throwing the ball. I mean, they, they might throw 50 passes and uh, this, this Vanderbilt defense just can't hold up against it. They, they got to hope they drop some or they get some, uh, you know, uh, holding penalties or something like that. But I guarantee if Heifel can score 50 on Vandy, he's going to do it. Every bit of it. And when you think about Vanderbilt and the last SEC win they had, 2019 against Missouri, they lost 20 straight SEC games, likely 21, would have been 22 had they played Georgia last year. Like, But like you said, Coach, now it's just about, hey, go get some players because you've proven that you can improve as a team, that you're going to have get kids to fight. Now just go get some players to to back that up. And then obviously Tennessee's perspective is, hey, let's finish this really good solid season we've had uh, and be you know, third in the East. 7 o'clock on ESPN, final game in Tiger Stadium for Ed Orgeron. Won a national title in 19 and is uh, on the way out now. Number 15, Texas A&M at LSU, Brent. You know, this it's an interesting game for AM just because I mean they're I think a six point favorite on the on the road, but they could be third in the West. They lose this game, they could be sixth in the West. You know, so it's just a very feast or famine in terms of where they're gonna be. But this is to me, this is for an AM, this is a season of what could have been. You know, you had you beat Alabama, you know, if your quarterback doesn't get hurt, you you know have two two other victories, who knows what, but the talent was there and they just didn't take advantage of, of the opportunities that were presented uh, in front of them. You know, it's close loss to Mississippi state didn't play well enough on the road against Ole Miss. And, and, you know, it's just what could have been uh, for, for A&M this year, because they were that talented uh, on a, from a roster perspective, just missing that one piece. Yeah. I would say that from an underachievement award, they get that. I mean, they lost to three teams that are second year coaches, Mississippi state, under uh, each uh, Ole Miss and Arkansas, uh, three teams you got better players than. So that uh, you know you can talk about Jimbo saying, "Hey, well we got we're gonna have a great recruiting class and all that," but uh, you know they just didn't play uh, in in the games against the teams they should have beat good enough. And this is one of those games where it's, you're supposed to beat LSU. I mean LSU's down in personnel. They got their coach fired. Everything could go wrong for LSU has gone wrong. And, uh, you know, we could see LSU just get in that stadium and something magical happened because they're capable 
offensively of doing some things now that their defense is playing like that. Their defense all of a sudden said, hey, we're going to sell the ranch, and they're just going after people. And, uh, you know, Calzada sometimes has has some trouble throwing a ball up for grabs. And uh, so this uh, A&M offense didn't score a point the first half against Ole Miss on the road. So uh, we'll just have to see how uh, how things change around here and uh, we'll see how it goes. Especially at night. Especially at night. I'll be curious how LSU's roster either dissipates or comes together after this as you kind of look forward and turn the page on, on what's happening at LSU. The coaching hire-up is going to make a difference. But, I mean, Elias Ricks apparently entering the transfer portal. I, I would assume that that's a guy that George is going to be contacting. If, if He's already ready. said he's going to Bama. Uh, that's oh. unbelievable. He entered the, entered the thing Bama. and then he made a – that's what happens when you go up to Tennessee for a little vacation, man. Um, so uh, I heard about that out here in Oklahoma because everybody wanted him. I mean, why wouldn't you? So rich get richer there. But you you got a good point there. This transfer portal out of uh, – there's going to be a lot of movement out of the LSU for sure and probably Florida. I would say the really good players in Florida looking down the road thinking about, hey, I, I'm not interested in going two and six. I didn't why I came here. Uh, what I meant two and six in the SEC. I could see a mass exodus out of there and Southern Cal. You can see players going out of there like uh, they're going to Hollywood. You know, and that point got me thinking about something this week. When you know, you look around the country and you think about what an elite college football coach has to do with the the whole issue of fit. Do you fit your fan base? Do you fit sort of, you know, the, the PR and the personality side of all that? Can you recruit at an elite level? And can you actually coach the game of football? Like when you think about being able to do be those three things, there's just not many humans on the earth that, that are really, really good at that. And they're, you know, when you have somebody like that, like if you're George and you have Kirby Smart and you're Alabama, obviously with the greatest Nick, Nick Saban, you know, Ohio State, Ryan Day, like now Clemson for the most part with Dabo and what they've done recently. There's just not many of them. And when you have one, be very, very thankful. Very, very thankful, given the what tomorrow is. Well, I think what's happened is just uh, no patience. It's hard to become one of those because people dissect you so quickly because of social and the social networks and so much stuff is out there that uh, you're always, you know, whether you did it or not or whether you uh, – during the games, whatever it is, it's hard to be a coach. Everything you do gets gets you know magnified and uh, and you got to get that fit. That's for sure. And what you need is people going to back you come hell or high water. There's not much of that coming out there anymore. You can't you can't see a guy that you know like all of a sudden uh, guys in his third year they're talking about Jeff Collins. Hey, what's you know they're talking about are they going to keep him in tech because they're looking at their number one rival. And their number two rival, Georgia and Clemson, right up there, you know, and they're not making any headway. And the same thing's true in the ACC. They're not making any headway in the, in the conference that they're in. So uh, yeah, the Tom Osborne's of the world don't exist anymore. Yeah. But, you know, the thing that people talk about, well, we need an established head coach and we need a – you look at some of the guys that were assistant coaches, Tom Osborne, Barry Switzer, Joe Paterno, Gary Patterson, uh, you know, took over at TCU. 
So sometimes uh, there's a guy within the program that can move up as an assistant coach. You got every head coach was assistant coach sometimes. So it's hard to get uh, the right fit. That's for sure. But this coaching carousel uh, next week, when we do our show, we're going to be talking about a lot of movement there. Uh, There's going to be a domino effect too. Uh, what happens all of a sudden if uh, the, the coach at, uh, SMU Dykes takes the TCU job, then all of a sudden uh, they're talking about the, the coordinator at uh, Rhett Lachey at uh, Miami, Miami going there. And then what will Miami do? Are they going to keep, uh, you know, keep Diaz when their offense has really been doing better than their defense? So, you know, it's just a lot of things to look at. And some of these jobs don't even have ADs. I mean, you got Miami, no AD there. Uh, and the are they going to keep keep Manny? I, I give them credit, though. They were on the mat, and they've come back. They've won a lot of games, and they got a chance. you got to figure they're going to beat the Duke Blue, Duke Blue Devils this week. But uh, And then you know, here's one other thing that just blows your mind. Yesterday, James Franklin, who is 11-9 and nine in his last 20 games, got a 10-year contract. Mm-hmm. And part of that is because everybody's talking about him. Going, uh, you know, he's the number one name that you hear when you hear these jobs. But he went eleven and nine, and he's got a ten-year contract. Wow! It's Jimmy Sexton season. <laughs> very much so. Very much so. Uh, I, Coach, I think Jimmy's the best. That's for sure. Coach, you had mentioned Clemson a, a bit earlier. Let's uh, go to that game. Seven thirty uh, on the SEC Network. It's Clemson at South Carolina. Uh, a rivalry that's been dominated, Brent, by Clemson. But if if there's a year where it's a little closer, it, maybe it's this one? Yeah, it's definitely this year. Uh, now, Clemson obviously has been playing a lot better recently. But what's, what's interesting when you think about uh, Clemson, and by the way, for us as a show, you know, we begin the season and we end the season talking about Clemson, even though we're around the SEC, uh, you know, because they play Georgia in the opener. But, you know, DJU, you know, we thought he was at, you know, from a talent perspective – it's there, but he just hasn't had the season. He's had 13 total touchdowns, nine run throwing and four rushing. Even in Clemson's sort of worst QB season, which was Kelly Bryant, the year they got beat by Alabama in the semifinals, he had 26 touchdowns. So it's just the production from their offense and production from the quarterback spot just hasn't been there. They've been running the ball a lot better recently, and that's kind of that's got them rolling because their defense has been really good all year. But if there is a year and if there is a time for South Carolina to, to get them, it is this year. Here's the thing about South Carolina. I mean, if, if they got a chance to win a game, they've won them. I mean, you look at the East Carolina game, look like they weren't going to win it. Uh, you look at uh, the only one they really had a chance to win that they didn't at the end was Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky kept the ball away from them, but they, they really had a shot at that one. But, They've won some games inexplicably going into it. You had never thought. You look at Florida. Once they got Florida down, they hammered them. Uh, you look at Auburn, they're down 14-0, and then they just just assaulted them. Uh, you know, the second half just really got after them physically. I don't think that their offense matches up at all against Clemson, though. Uh, you know, their quarterback is very limited, but he plays pretty well within the system they're using. But, you know, Brent Venable's going to get after them pretty good. So, they're going to need DJ to help them out a little bit like he did against Pittsburgh, you know, throw a, a little shuttle shuffle pass that's intercepted for a touchdown or something like that. 
if they can get a, a defensive score, a scooping score, or a punt block, or something like that, but uh, they're going to have to win a low-scoring game, and uh, Clemson's going to have to help them. But it's just unreal that we're talking about right now that they got a chance to win seven games the first year. Just unreal. Final game in the league this week, and then we'll wrap with a, a quick college football playoff uh, chat from the rankings last night. Uh, 7.30 on ESPN2 on Saturday. That is Kentucky at Louisville, Brent. Yeah, it's Louisville's playing really well. Malik Cunningham's doing all kinds of great things for their offense. But for me, the, the most interesting thing about this game is something that's happened this week on social media. Did you happen to see Josh Pascal's uh, commercial with the dentist office? That was good. Uh, that was amazing. Like that's that's exactly what this to me, the NIL and all the stuff is, is where you can have fun with it and kids can go make a buck and, and do some things like that where it's just it's great content. That's it was fantastic. That was that's that's my uh, spiel for this game was I love the Dennis commercial for Josh Pascal. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, he's out there having fun and uh, the dentist give him a chance to give him some money over the table instead of under the table. So. It's a good move by Kentucky using that. Uh, I think this game, uh, you know, playing for the state championship, uh, Satterfield had a lot of pressure on him going into the season, and uh, it really has improved. I mean, they've they've just uh, their offense is going to give Kentucky problems. Kentucky rushes the passer pretty well, but uh, you know, it's going to be a high scoring game. I I can see this being like the basketball game when Louisville and. Uh, Kentucky play. I could see this game being one of those 38, 35 games that this could go down to the wire. And with that, we've discussed every game in the SEC this season, as we uh, have done around the league every week of the year and Connor grading and landscaping. Uh, that's the group that helps make this possible. So make sure you check out their uh, stuff over at connorgrading.com uh, and just Google uh, Connor grading and landscaping, Instagram and Facebook. That's how you see their latest. Guys, let's quickly wrap with uh, college football playoff discussion. Cincinnati now in the mix at the top in the top four. We'll see if that can hold. Obviously, we have Ohio State and Michigan, uh, the, the big game that will determine a lot uh, up in the Big Ten. And then here comes Notre Dame coach just kind of hanging around at the bottom, trying to sneak in that fourth spot like they do virtually every season. Yeah, Notre Dame's going to need a lot of help, though, and a lot of things got to happen for Notre Dame to get in there. Uh, you you got to watch the Big 12, Oklahoma State. You got a shot here if they could beat Oklahoma and then probably Baylor. But uh, and it all gets down to if Alabama beats Georgia, then that's going to hurt a lot of teams because you, you got to keep Georgia in there. But once Georgia gets Alabama, then there, it's going to be Katie bar the door for that last position. Yeah, in Cincinnati this week, or Cincinnati this week. Like this is a this is very much a trap game to me for Cincinnati. When you go to East Carolina, who has you know played South Carolina tough, they you know they played some teams tough, and and that's just an interesting place to play. Uh, but still, yet yeah, like like Coach said, Notre Dame's going to need a lot of help, and you know you got Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, who they might actually kind of cancel each other out. Unfortunately, it's it's one of those things where. If Oklahoma State wins, all right, good. You don't, or if Oklahoma wins, now you got to play, turn around and play them again. Like, I think they play each other again in the Big 12 championship if, if Oklahoma wins. So, you know, that's one thing. It, it's kind of an easy playoff, I think, if Oklahoma State wins out, if Georgia wins, Ohio State wins out, you know, and then Cincinnati and Oklahoma State. I think it kind of falls into line uh, that way. But, you know, I, it's, I just, you know, expect this season, expect the unexpected, obviously. 
I'm going to make you the, the master prognosticator. If you had to just pick the four teams that you think when that final playoff is set, which four teams do you think it is? I think it's going to be Georgia. I think it's going to be Ohio State, Cincinnati, and then Notre Dame. I think the same thing, and we did not prepare that at all. That's the four that I see as well. That would have Ohio State beating Michigan. Uh, that would have probably Oklahoma State losing one of its next two games. Uh, and then that would just have Cincinnati win. Georgia beats Alabama, and then there's Notre Dame. So uh, it, it, it's going to be an interesting uh, path to the college football final. I, I think we all agree if Georgia beats Georgia Tech, then Georgia's in, regardless of what happens in the SEC oh, yeah, championship, we, right? I mean, just, yeah. you, you look at all the, the – uh, the way that Georgia dominated all year against everybody. I mean, the, and plus the good part that you read about is the, the winning percentage of all the teams they played. Uh, they, you know, they've played teams that have won a lot of games, even though they may not be ranked. But, the, you know, you look at Kentucky, you got a chance to have an unbelievable record. Arkansas got a chance to be eight and four. Uh, Clemson is going to be, you know, uh, nine and three if they beat South Carolina. So, I mean, uh, just those start things start adding up, but the whole key for all these teams, if it, if Alabama doesn't beat Georgia, then it's going to be who knows what's going to happen. And if Michigan for some reason would beat Ohio State, then people all the way down to ten are going to be looking at things because Michigan, could, knowing their history, they could go in there and lose to Wisconsin in the championship game. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening. Uh, quickly, as we wrap it, I just want to say, Coach, thank you. And, and to the fans that are listening, I want you to understand that Coach Donnan went out for uh, family time in Oklahoma and has on three occasions now since he's been out there made time, made it a priority to speak with you, the listeners, and support what we're doing at this website. His time is so valuable, uh, and he's as, as great of a family man as I've ever met. And he said, even though I'm out here, I can do this. I want to do this for not only the sponsors that, that support us and, and uh, are invested in, in these shows, but he uh, really wants to make sure that the fans understand that he cares about you and want, uh, wants you to have the best content that you can have. So, Coach, thanks for making that a priority. It, it means a lot to me yeah. and our fans. Hey, I appreciate that. I think you probably over overvaluate my time. I mean, uh, my biggest deal is just to get up in the morning, and after that it's over, overwhelming what's going to happen next. But uh, just uh, – Enjoyed this show and appreciate Connor uh, landscaping doing the job for us. And I hope people can realize there's a lot of things you can do over the winter to get your yards and get, and they can help you with. And also, you know, this time of year, uh, Thanksgiving, there's a lot of things to be thankful for, but everybody don't take for granted your health and your family and uh, realize that, uh, you know, don't realize it till it's too late that you don't really value what you got. So, uh, I'm not trying to be hokey there, but this is a special time of the year for everybody. Absolutely is. And uh, Perfectly Brent, said. Let's, let's go North Oconee Titans Friday night. Let's, hey, let's go Titans. Kirk, take yeah, down Kirby's Kirby. alma mater. <laughs> yeah, go down there and look at the, some of those trees Kirby used to climb around in when he was young kids. So <laughs> that'll be great. Uh, this has been Around the League from UGASports.com. Thanks for watching. We'll be back for a coaching carousel and bowl season and uh, whatever happens in the SEC over the next week because it's going to get busy. Thanks for supporting us. We'll see you.